Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Germany in Focus, a news podcast made possible by members of The Local. This week, we're talking about a scandal involving the band Ramstein. Pride Month has started, so we'll get into LGBTQ history in Germany and talk about CSD celebrations. We will explain what a new partnership between Germany and Brazil to encourage more skilled immigration is all about. And we'll talk about the Brazilian community in Germany. Is German efficiency a myth? We'll dig into this stereotype and hear from historian and author James Hawes on where it comes from. Lastly, we're going to talk about why you should be checking out the German state of Mecklenburg-Western Pomerania, which is perhaps not the first state that comes to mind when foreigners think of German tourist destinations. I'm Rachel Loxton and I'm in Berlin today with journalists Aaron Burnett and Sarah McGill. Hello. Nice to have you back, Sarah. How Hi, are you? Hi, Rachel. Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. I'm enjoying the summer weather. It is super hot in Berlin at the moment. So I'm looking forward to getting to one of the lovely open air swimming pools in the next few days. Yes, you must. You have to do it to cool off. Aaron, also nice to have you back after a break. Are you well? Yes, uh, absolutely. I uh, sort of kicked off uh, Pride season with a little visit to Mighty Hoopla, a queer music festival in London. And I'm excited to talk about CSD slash Pride season in Germany, among our many other topics today, including a few provocative ones like German inefficiency. Yes, we will get into that. (laughs) (laughs) It should be interesting. Mm -hmm. So we're recording this on Wednesday, June the 7th. Let's start off with who or what's been in the news this week. We're talking about the German metal band Rammstein. So there are some changes to upcoming gigs by the group in Munich because of sexual abuse allegations. Aaron, can you tell us more? So Rammstein, obviously a band that carries a bit of a name outside of Germany as well, isn't going to have the so-called row zero in the audience that it used to have. Now that uh, refers to a special VIP area right next to the stage or any after parties. Those are also getting axed at their concerts starting this week with their Munich gigs. And that's because several women have accused frontman Till Lindemann of groping or sexually assaulting them, particularly at after parties, where they would apparently be given alcohol or even drugged before Lindemann allegedly assaulted them. Now, where was Lindemann allegedly finding these women to assault during these after parties? The women say from Row Zero, that special VIP area next to the stage at concerts. One Irish woman in Vilnius and one German YouTuber named Kayla Schix say they were approached during intermission and invited to an after party after the show, possibly after Lindemann had picked them out of Rosero from his onstage vantage point. 
And what does the band say about this? And are people still going to the gigs? There are uh, some reports that we have of people looking to sell their tickets or basically to renounce their um, tickets after the allegations and say that they're not going to be going to Rammstein concerts um, with these allegations. That said, the gigs have not been cancelled. It's just that the after parties and Row Zero have been axed. Uh, the band says that they take this very seriously. They're looking into it. They want their fans to be safe at concerts. In the meantime, the only formal police complaint was filed by that uh, woman from Northern Ireland, I should say, uh, who was attending a concert in Vilnius. So Lithuanian police did some interviews. They have not yet made a decision as to whether they're going to open a formal police investigation at the moment. And what are German politicians saying? Because they've waded into this a bit, right? Yes. And uh, one of the big ones that's waded into it so far is Family Minister Lisa Paus. She's calling for special protected areas for women at concerts and for awareness teams to look after female fans at concert. She did previously call for Row Zero to be axed. This is, of course, now happening starting this week. And the band is hugely popular in Germany and around the world, right, Sarah? Yeah, I mean, they're probably the only German band to really cross over and have widespread international success. They formed in Berlin and they've been going now for since 1994, so for nearly 30 years. And they've just kept growing in popularity. In fact, in terms of numbers of concert ticket sales, they were sixth in the world last year. So that just gives you an idea of, of how popular they are. Thank you very much for that, guys. So let's move on. June is International LGBTQ Pride Month, and there are plenty of demonstrations and celebrations across Germany that stretch out over summer. So let's have a chat about it. Sarah, Pride in Germany is known as Christopher Street Day. Can you tell us a bit about the history of CSD in Germany? Yeah, so the first thing that you might ask yourself is why Pride in Germany is called Christopher Street Day. And the reason for that goes back to the riots that took place in New York in June 1969 when police raided a popular gay bar called Stonewall Inn in Christopher Street. And as a result of that, gay rights activists in New York held the first gay pride march a year later. And then 10 years after the riots, a couple of activists from Berlin called Bernd Geiser and Andreas Pareik decided to organise a march to mark the 10th anniversary of the Stonewall riots in Berlin. For that first march, they organised it in their own names and didn't really know what to expect. But around 500 people turned up to the first march. And since then, it's just been growing ever since. And now CSD in Berlin attracts around a million people a year. And there are CSD parades every summer in Hamburg, Cologne and Munich and even in other cities now as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's huge, isn't it? So what is Germany's journey with LGBTQ rights? Well, Germany's journey with LGBTQ rights is checkered, to say the least. I would recommend a fantastic movie called Paragraph 175. Now, Paragraph 175 was enacted in 1871. It is a provision of uh, or former provision of German criminal law, and it made sex between men a crime. Now, the Nazis tightened Paragraph 175 in 1935. The Nazis used this law to charge gay men and, event and ultimately to send them off to concentration camps where about 15,000 of them died. They were given the marker of the pink triangle. So uh, many memorials that you might see in Germany uh, referencing gay men who died in the Holocaust will often reference the pink triangle. Uh, the movie was released in 2000, and it interviews some of these men who survived. 
Now, paragraph 175 was one of the only Nazi-era laws that West Germany actually kept on the books after the war. And although it went through revisions, it wasn't fully repealed until, get this, 1994. Yeah, it was also only in that year that these men even got compensation from the German government for what they suffered. So almost a full half century after World War II actually ended, registered partnerships were legalized in 2001 in Germany, but adoption rights remained very limited. That changed in 2017 with marriage equality being legalized. But by then, Germany was well behind many other countries that had already done it. So Canada and Spain did it in 2005. They were some of the first. Most of the UK legalized in 2014, and all US states had legalized by 2015. And along comes Germany quite uh, a bit later in 2017. When you were talking there, Aaron, it made me think of the Schwules Museum in Schöneberg. It's a really good one, the gay museum. Yeah, it's an excellent museum. Yeah. What about transgender rights in Germany? Transgender people have been able to legally change their gender since 1980, now following surgery. The current government is working on a self-determination law where transgendered people can simply change their gender at a registry office instead of having to get uh, assessments and court authorization first. Of course, they will have to go through the struggle of getting an appointment at the Bürgeramt. But assuming they, yeah, assuming they can get one, then they can, they can make this change uh, right there administratively. The government has proposed this law, and now the Bundestag will move to debating it. So it is not yet passed. There are anti-discrimination laws on the books, and five federal state constitutions, including Berlin's, specifically prohibit discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender identity. Now, political parties almost across the entire uh, spectrum in Germany have expressed support for adding a similar anti-discrimination provision to the federal basic law. That's Article 3. It already prohibits um, discrimination on the basis of race and gender, for example. They've proposed adding sexual orientation and gender identity to this. But doing that, uh, making that amendment, will require two-thirds of the Bundestag and Bundesrat to agree to it. Which we expect. It's an ongoing discussion. Uh, But there are even members of uh, the conservative Christian Democrats that have even spoken out in favor of making this amendment. So it's not... Uh, out of the realm of possibility that we could eventually see it. Really interesting. And which events should we be looking out for in Germany? Which uh, Pride events? Well, CSD in Germany is typically celebrated on a Saturday, ladies. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, that gives you Sunday to recover before the new work week. Very smart (laughs) in in my book. (laughs) This coming weekend, so June 10th and 11th, um, yet there are a few Sunday ones, we have seven CSD events around the country. Three of those include Düsseldorf, Dresden, and Saarbrücken. All those prides are happening this weekend. There are CSD events in Germany almost every weekend, though, from now until the end of September. And a few even had theirs in May already. Potsdam had theirs in May. Um, They were early. They were early, yeah. A few big ones here. Munich's big day is on June 24th. Hamburg, you will be waiting until August 5th. But if we're looking at the real 
huge <laughs> celebrations on the on another scale in Germany. We're looking on for July 9th. We have CSD Cologne. It's one of the biggest pride events, not just in Germany, but in Europe. And finally, on July 22nd, we have the queen of German prides far and away. Sorry, Cologne, but that's CSD Berlin. Berlin's Pride Parade itself is now drawing a million people every year. It has many events prior, including an amazing street festival, which basically shuts down the Schöneberg Queer District the weekend before. It's one of the largest Pride Parades, not just in Europe, but in the entire world. Uh, Berlin Pride is in a class by itself. It is legendary. It is iconic. It is not just big. It is gargantuan. It is Berlin. Well said. And there are some critics who say Pride CSD in Germany has become a bit too commercialized. What do you both think? Well, I know not everyone will share this opinion, but I personally think that Pride's commercialization is a sign of its success. Uh, 20 years ago, people in my position weren't revealing their significant others to their colleagues or even to their families, let alone talking them about them on a podcast, as I sometimes do with you guys here. We love to hear it. Yeah. Um, Pride is a bit more of a party now, I think, because German attitudes have liberalized. Uh, 75% of Germans supported marriage equality in 2017 when that law was passed including, get this, 53% of church-going Christians or people who identified as church-going Christians. More German companies, I think, are now marching in pride parades rather than firing LGBT employees after finding out that they're LGBT, and I think that's something to celebrate. But there are still some political elements. For example, CSD Berlin in 2016, their main slogan was Danke für nix or thanks for nothing. <laughs> uh, and that demonstrated that the LGBT community at the time was really disappointed by Germany's lagging performance on rights uh, up until that time. But then marriage equality uh, ended up passing the Bundestag before Berlin's CSD in 2017, the next year. So interesting bit of history there, I think. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Maybe from a slightly less positive perspective, I'd say that I think it's inevitable once an event gets so huge that it's going to attract corporations and companies are going to get involved. And I think, you know, it only really becomes problematic when when companies that don't necessarily align in terms of their practices with the ideology behind these marches mm -hmm. and just stick a rainbow flag on their products and websites. And, you know, I think that that is then a bit problematic. It's true. And sometimes their policies don't off, always match up with what they're saying mm -hmm. <laughs> or they're advertising during Pride Month as well. So, the, yeah, that is a good point, I think. Yeah. And I did talk to the founder of CSD, Bernd Geiser, a few years ago for an interview, and he agreed that it, it had become very commercial. But he said that the commercial trucks do have to go at the end after the community floats. And that is a conscious, mm. yeah. a conscious move to make sure it's not too commercial. It's, it's meant that way, yeah. Yeah. And it's worth keeping in mind, if if anyone is interested, that there are also less commercial Pride events happening, like the Dyke March in Berlin, which is on July 21st on Friday night, and the Internationalist Queer Pride for Berlin, which is happening the same day as CSD, July 22nd. And there will be others around the country as well. Now we're going to talk about some other news. Germany's Labour Minister, Hubertus Heil, has been in Brazil this week as part of an effort to attract more skilled workers from non-EU countries to Germany. As we've reported in The Local and talked about previously, Germany is trying to plug a severe worker shortage, which is affecting many industries. Sarah, can you tell us more about this meeting with Germany and Brazil? 
Yeah, so this week the German Labour Minister signed a declaration of intent for fair immigration with his Brazilian counterpart and we don't really have so many in-depth concrete details about what this uh, declaration included but uh, it seems to be the aim, the main aim of it is to create fair and simplified structures to promote the mutual exchange of skilled workers between Germany and Brazil. So I think what we get from that is that the intention is to foster a closer partnership with Brazil. And from the German perspective, this is really about getting more care workers to come to Germany, as healthcare is one of the many sectors that's in dire need of workers at the moment. Current figures say that an additional 180,000 nurses will be needed in Germany in the next few years. And currently, around one in 10 healthcare workers in Brazil are unemployed. So hopes are that with this deal, they might want to come to Germany. This is part of the the general push by Germany that we keep talking about to get more skilled workers to relocate, right? Yeah, exactly. This is part of the government's wider goal to issue a lot more visas to foreign workers in the future in Germany to fill up the gaps in the labour market which seems to be getting worse. Um, The most recent report from the Institute of German Economy found that employers were unable to fill around 630,000 job vacancies in Germany last year. And at the same time, Germany only managed to attract 100,000 skilled workers from non-EU countries. So the government is planning to introduce a new law with a range of measures to make it easier for foreign workers to come to Germany, including points-based immigration system, which we've talked about a lot already on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is coming to Germany an attractive prospect for Brazilian workers? Well, in one sense, yes. Uh, nurses in particular in Germany can earn around four times as much as they would in Brazil. But there are other things about Germany that may not be so attractive I saw an interview with a couple of Brazilian nurses who have been here for a few years now and both said that the bureaucracy coming to Germany was a nightmare. Um, I also read an interview with a nurse who worked for six months in a hospital in southern Germany before she gave up and returned to Brazil. And the main reason for that was that it took such a long time for her degree to be recognised, which meant that she had to work for months with the wages of an unskilled worker, which was then not enough to support her life in Germany. So even though the prospect on paper of moving to Germany might be very attractive, the bureaucracy is a really big obstacle in the way for many people. Yeah, I can imagine. Aaron, what else do we know about Germany's Brazilian community? Well, first and foremost, Rach, it's growing and it's growing fast. Uh, There are around 50,000 Brazilians living in Germany, according to the German Statistical Agency. That's up from 34,000 in 2011 and fully double what that number was 20 years ago. Now, that's still less than the number of Brits and Americans living here. They number around 120,000 apiece, but it's certainly more than the tallies for Aussies and, yes, Canadians, which are about 20,000 apiece. Now, most Brazilians are living in Bavaria, North Rhine-Westphalia, and Baden-Württemberg. But if we look at their share of the overall, or relative to the overall uh, population, rather, Berlin is a big one. Over 7,000 Brazilians live here in the capital. Another interesting thing to note, I think, is that uh, most Brazilians living here are young. The biggest chunk are between 25 and 44 years old. And Brazilians here in Germany lean female. Almost two-thirds of all Brazilians living here in Germany are women. Really interesting. Thank you so much to you both. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. To the world, Germany is known for being an efficient country where things run like clockwork. But that's not the experience that lots of foreigners have when they actually live in Germany. From painfully slow bureaucracy to delays such as the famous Berlin-Brandenburg airport debacle, it can be hard to understand where the stereotype of German efficiency comes from and why it's still strong today. We'll hear from a historian in a moment, but first, let's talk about train delays. Sarah, Deutsche Bahn, the German rail operator, is in the news again. Is the train service in Germany efficient? Well, if efficiency means running on time, then I'd have to say no. Um, <laughs> last month, their punctuality rating dropped to a new low for the year, with only 65.5% of long-distance trains arriving on Ooh, time. Less than two-thirds now. Just, yeah, exactly. Deutsche Bahn say that the main reason for the delays are ongoing construction works. They estimate that a total of 480,000 concrete sleepers need to be replaced this year which will result in more stretches of rail track being out of service and more delays. One interesting fact is that in 2022, eight of the 10 most frequently delayed trains in Switzerland began their routes in German cities. <laughs> Meaning, <laughs> So that means that German lateness actually had a knock-on effect on its neighbour Switzerland and the Swiss were not very happy about it. It's not our fault, it's the Germans. It's basically what they said, right? Yeah. They, they exactly said Switzerland that. Switzerland may be more yeah. efficient. Newsflash. It seems so, yeah. Aaron, do you think people are surprised when they come to Germany and find that trains are not that efficient? Yeah, I think it seems to be a rude awakening for some people, um, particularly people who have, may have visited Germany before, um, maybe back in the days when the trains actually did run on time. We spoke to a few uh, local readers, including one couple who had uh, moved to Germany um, and retired here after having uh, come every so often to visit. And they said that during their visits years ago, taking the train was a very, very uh, pleasurable experience, that it was very efficient, um, that it was very comfortable, and that they recently took uh, a trip uh, after moving here and just said it was a nightmare, that they would never, <laughs> that they're not ever going to take the train in Germany again, <laughs> unless it's for a, a very short sort of local or regional sort of trip. A lot seems to be going wrong in the last years then. Yeah, and experts uh, put that down to a couple of things. Um, one of the biggest is just underinvestment. So there's a lot of catch-up that needs to be done, maintenance, uh, that sort of thing, to really 
uh, upgrade the system or, or even maintain it to the point where it works properly again. Uh, and the other thing is um, part of that infrastructure is just a lack of rolling stock. So what that just means in uh, train expert language is basically, well, do you have a replacement or a backup train to put on the track if one of yours has a technical fault and you have to take it off? And uh, in many cases, experts have said that Germany does not actually have very much of this rolling stock. It is way less than either France or Switzerland. So those guys are able to handle delays and technical problems much better than, than Germany can. So that is train travel. What other parts of German life do you think really do not meet the efficiency reputation? Oh, oh, I, I hate to bring up the Bogom again, but I mean, they make themselves just such an easy target, you know? They do. <laughs> this is, um, if you try and get an appointment online for the Berlin Bogom, uh, you will be greeted by a calendar with two almost fully red months, and you can only book appointments up to two months in advance. Uh, there might be one blue box in the entire two-month calendar indicating a free appointment in the entire city. <laughs> but by the time you actually click on that blue box, uh, it'll tell you, and I quote, someone else was faster than you. Yeah, I mean, you know, as if getting a basic public service in a developed Western country, like registering your residence or converting your driver's license is like winning some sort of twisted lottery or something. Mm -hmm. um, I have to go in myself soon. And it took me six weeks of consistently searching and hitting the refresh button constantly before I actually got <laughs> lucky, as they say, and managed to get an appointment scheduled for six weeks later. So good luck if you ever need something urgently. I'm not sure what you're supposed to do then. Yeah, at least you got an appointment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would say any sort of bureaucracy is inefficient in Germany. And that's not just public authorities. I've also experienced that with private companies as well. Recently, my boyfriend and I both tried to open new bank accounts with two different banks. And both of us have had to chase them repeatedly and have been waiting for over a month to get our bank cards, um, something that should really be quite straightforward. So, yeah, it seems that anything that involves any paperwork is is just really inefficient in Germany. Yeah. And guys, we can't forget that this is the country of the fax machine. It is still very much used here. And one thing I always notice in aspects of German life is inflexibility and an attitude of this is the way we do things. We won't change them. And I think that can make a lot of things less efficient. You know, it has an impact. I definitely agree with that. I think that attitude of inflexibility underpins the reluctance to change the way the, the way things are done to make them more efficient. Yes, and also sticking to rules too much. Obviously, there can be positives to that, but I think the, the inflexibility and the sticking to rules combined can really slow things down, as you mentioned, Sarah. Do you think that there is some truth that Germany is efficient? Well, I have to say that it's very difficult to see it on a daily basis. I really had to rack my brains, to be honest, to think of any examples of German efficiency. In fact, the only example I thought of was um, at the supermarket checkout, where, as we all know, it's like an Olympic sport. Your your shopping is just thrown at you. Which... Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> but I don't even think that that's just fast. That's not really efficient. It's still, you know, there's still a queue of distressed customers <laughs> at the other end of the of the queue. But of course, like, yeah. <laughs> Beats going to Canada when I wait in the queue forever <laughs> to get my shopping. I love it here for that. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, maybe it, that is efficient. But I obviously, you know, that's the day-to-day. -day, but on a, on, a, on a bigger scale, 
you know, Germany is the strongest economy in the EU. Worker productivity is in the top 10 in the world. It's got a very strong social welfare system. So there are a lot of things that do work really well in Germany. It's just as we were discussing, it's actually getting access. Right. Definitely. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It's getting into systems, into various institutions and things. Once you're in, it could run smoothly. Yeah, but getting yourself in, that's the that's the big that's the big issue, isn't it? I would say Germany can be efficient in certain areas. Local public transport or regional can be very punctual depending on where you are. Over 95% of S-Bahn and regional trains in many German cities were on time last year. So that's not the 65% figure for long distance trains that uh, Sarah just quoted, which of course is its own <laughs> frustrating statistic. Driving on the Autobahn where people generally know how to drive and there's no speed limit is a thing of beauty. In my opinion, people really do know how to drive here uh, and traffic really flows. If you need medical attention, you will often be seen faster than in other countries. For example, we don't see the 10-hour waits here that can dog some Canadian emergency rooms where I'm from, for example. But in general, especially when we get bureaucracy involved, I'd say that Germany is an inefficient country that is often overly obsessed with process rather than results, as we've been mm -hmm. uh, talking about. Uh, remember during the pandemic when people could register online here, and now for some inexplicable region, reason, you can't anymore. <laughs> um, and uh, for another reason that defies all logical explanation, this is not a major scandal <laughs> in any political campaign. <laughs> Very true. Let's now hear from James Hawes, a British historian and author of The Shortest History of Germany. I asked James where he thinks the stereotype of German efficiency comes from. And just a note that James mentions the German word schlamperei in the interview, which means sloppiness. I think we can date this pretty exactly. And the, the, the time point is the Franco-Prussian War. Now, if you look at Germany from foreign eyes before that, the biggest reporters are, are the British because they're the world's first mass tourists, being the richest people on earth at that time. And Germany is their favourite destination. And um, it was a kind of standard itinerary of Thomas Cook's to go down the Rhine and do Cologne Cathedral, visit Bonn and so forth, see the Lorelei. Uh, but their accounts of Germany in the 1860s are actually dominated by that wonderful German word in translation, schlamperei. They constantly complain about the inefficiency, about bureaucracy, about how they can't get their servants to be clean enough. There's no sign at all of this modern myth of German efficiency, but that comes around almost immediately in 1870 to 71, because the British, like everyone else, are completely shocked at how the Prussian armies have, have just destroyed the French armies so easily. And the accounts in, in the Times and so forth of the Franco-Prussian War go on and on about this monstrous efficiency and inhuman skill of, of the Germans, which is something that will be echoed then into you know, H.G. Wells's War of the Worlds a bit later on. So it's then that this myth of the Germans as this incredibly organized and efficient country is quite suddenly created. And it's Prussian, not German, really. And how do you think this has developed then through the ages to kind of come up to today where efficiency, people still think Germany is efficient? The, the, the truth is that Germany had an extremely long ancient tradition of things like skilled metalwork. You think of the, the clockmakers of Mainz in the Middle Ages or, or the armor the armor makers of Zollingen, the, the sword makers. I think that the, the secret is, is that kind of Zunft organization, the guild organization of the way German firms still work to a large extent. I think we in the kind of Anglo-Saxon world tend to forget that Germany is in fact extremely hierarchical in terms of 
work relationships. Your life as a German person is very much decided at a very early age by whether you go to gymnasium or not. And then once you enter a profession, let's assume you didn't go to gymnasium. Well, if you did, you go to university where it's incredibly hierarchical or the medical profession, the legal profession, they are far, far more hierarchical than the Anglo-Saxon equivalents. But also if you become an engineer, a Fliesenleger or whatever it is, a tile, you know, floor tiler, you will go through what are to an American or British eyes an incredible period of training to get your master, to get your kind of master ticket, which is a kind of a formal thing. And we had a German visitor come to see us, a friend of my wife's, who said to me, he saw a builder's lorry in, in, the, in the street outside us and just said, you know, in passing, how do you get qualified to be a builder in Britain? I said, well, you buy a van and stick John the Builder on it. And he said, no, 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 but really. I said, no, really, that's how it's done. You know, we don't have that kind of guild qualification system in Britain or, Britain or America at all. It's much more freewheeling. And that, I think, is, is at the heart of it. The myth of this German efficiency is a particularly English thing, I suspect. I don't think that the French or Italians have necessarily that same degree of obsession with it as we do. A lot of it, I think, is, is from the experience in the war. You know, I remember because I was born only 16 years after the war. And I know that a lot of the, uh, the older men I met had either themselves experienced or, or heard from friends or their uncles or whatever of this idea that somehow German machinery, German guns, German tanks especially, were much better than ours. Of course, that was true, but it wasn't because of efficiency. It was actually because of choices. Um, a Tiger tank cost five times as much to make as a Sherman tank. So, of course, it was better. But at an individual level, what people experienced was this sort of terrifying efficiency of German the machine guns and, and tanks and so forth. But it wasn't actually a terribly efficient way to run a war, in fact. And that, that I think, is the great myth. Because in many respects, Germany is, frankly, extraordinarily inefficient. Just a couple of days ago, I had two contracts to sign. One was with a small British newspaper. One was with a major German TV broadcaster. Now, the British one, I just pressed a thing called DocuSign on the internet and it's done. The German one, I have to sign two copies on old-fashioned carbon paper and send them back to Mainz, which is, is something that would have has been gone for 10 years or more. In Britain. It really is a myth, I think. And I think it's one that we British, above all, have kind of hiked up because to us, you know, we have to kind of work out somehow why we kind of, inverted commas, lost the peace to Germany rather than through our own incompetence, you know. So we, we kind of put Germany up as this incredibly efficient, almost alienly efficient culture when it's really nothing of the sort. It's just our own stupidity that we can't make decent cars and things, you know. So do you think that the word will get out that German efficiency is a myth? Do you think more people are beginning to see that, maybe more countries, or do you think it will continue? I think that that, that myth is starting to stop. If you take a real concrete example, you know, there's Lexus versus Mercedes. You know, Lexus was launched whenever, 20, 30 years ago, deliberately as a competitor to Mercedes. They're more or less copied from Mercedes. And I think very few people nowadays would think that a Mercedes is more reliable than a Lexus, to take that really clear and obvious example. Um, we know that the German car industry is coming under severe competition from China now. And I think that the idea that German cars and maybe other German engineering products are uniquely reliable, uniquely technically perfect, that idea is probably done for, and that will be a big blow to, to Germany's international myth, if you want. Really good to hear from James Hawes there. We're on to our last topic of the day. The northern German state of Mecklenburg-Western Pomerania, or Mecpom as it is sometimes called, is often overlooked by foreigners as a destination to check out, although it is a favourite holiday spot of Germans. 
But our very own Sarah McGill has a real soft spot for MacPom. And you're going to tell us, Sarah, why we should be going there, right? Yes, I am, Rachel. Um, I have to say, I find it weird also using the English name for the state, Mecklenburg Western Pomerania. It's a bit <laughs> yeah. of a mouthful. Long-winded, right? Yeah, I would much rather just use the German version, which is Mecklenburg Vorpommern. And um, yeah, that I, is more efficient than the English. It, that's word. a good point. Actually, <laughs> the German language is efficient, but let's. That's a, that's, we've missed that boat now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I've been there a lot in the last few years. I work there sometimes on projects with young people in the region and I have some friends there. So, uh, you know, I've had the pleasure of going there very often. And firstly, it's a it's a really great tourist destination. It might surprise people to know that actually as Germany's most, most northeasterly state, it's also Germany's sunniest state. It regularly tops the lists of um, the states with the most hours of sunshine. And um, it's also perfect for a summer holiday because it has over 2,000 kilometres of coastline. It has 25 beautiful islands, which you can go to by boat or by train, which is also really nice because you can feel like you're getting out of Germany without actually having to leave Germany. The biggest island is Rügen, which is really beautiful. A friend of mine got married there a couple of years ago, and you really wouldn't know that you're in Germany there. It's like it's very quaint little sort of, you know, quaint architecture, beautiful beaches, clear sea. And there's and it's not the only island. There's another thing that I really like about the region is there's actually a lot of art going on there in hidden places. There are thousands of old manor houses or even cl- uh, castles or schlusser that have now been converted into cultural institutions. And many of these offer residencies for artists looking to for a kind of rural retreat to work on their art or workshops. Um, there's always a lot of exhibitions going on, concerts. Like There's really a wealth of art in that region. You just have to know where to look. And there are also a lot of really interesting, beautiful cities in Mecklenburg-Vorpommern. The Hanseatic cities of Wismar and Stralsund are, give you a really nice glimpse into the region's maritime history and have a lot of really old architecture, which is not always so easy to come by in Germany. So that's, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's really a lot going on in Mecklenburg-Vorpommern. Super interesting. And I have to ask you, Sarah, what is the vibe of Rügen? Is it like pina coladas by the sea or what? what is the general vibe? Um, I'd say it's more like, mm, like an English kind of holiday, t- like a bit like quaint and sleepy and very chilled. Okay. Rosé wine rather than pina coladas. Yeah, rather than, yeah, exactly. We take Lads that. on tour. We take that. I'd take yeah. that. Lads on tour. <laughs> it's not really that vibe. Yeah. <laughs> Hearty vibes. Mm-hmm. Aaron, is it easy to get to Mechpalm or Mecklenburg for Palmen? Yeah, well, uh, Rach, depending on where you're coming from, yes. In general, it is easy to get to Mechpalm if you're in the north or east of the country, I would say. Um, In general, yeah, it is. You can get many regional trains or even direct bus services from either Berlin or Hamburg. Those are sort of the two big hubs for reaching Mechpalm. And you can head to Warnemunde, Rostock or Stralsund for less than 20 euros in many cases. Uh, And we're talking anywhere between two and a half to three hours uh, for a lot of those trips, whether you're headed there by train, uh, bus or car. So pretty accessible, I would say, from certain parts of the country. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't actually been in the state. I've gone through it to go to Poland. So I feel like I have to stop there now and go and explore. Yeah. So there's a few destinations on on my list still, including Rügen, actually. So 
Thank you so much to you both. It's so lovely talking to you about nice German things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unlike efficiency. <laughs> Not efficiency. <laughs> That's it for this week. Thank you to all our listeners. And as always, we will add the links in the show notes for the stories that we've been talking about today. This week's panelists have been Sarah McGill and Aaron Burnett. Our guest was James Hawes and our sound engineer is Reese Edwards. Please leave a review or rating and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. So we hope you enjoyed listening and we will be back next week. Until then, take care. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.